Good evening and welcome to the Carolina Codecast, the official podcast of the Carolina Code Conference. And also, happy Valentine's Day. We're having a very special Valentine's Day episode of the Carolina Codecast with my wife, Christy. Say hello, Christy. Hi, everybody. We uh, just got back from date night and uh, decided while we were there that it would be fun to shoot a podcast and release it on, on Valentine's Day. Um, we just got back from dinner in Clemson. Yes. And uh, ate at one of our favorite restaurants over there. Pixie and Bills. Pixie and Bills. Mm-hmm. Always, always a, a, a great spot there. And uh, we figured, you know what? While we're while we're having our our evening tea that we have every night, then we should uh, we should do a podcast while we're doing it. So we got our tea. Oh, here. We do. We have and, white tea with a little bit of lemon mm-hmm. every evening, and just kind of have time to catch up and talk about our day and just spend some time together. How long have we been doing this now? Oh gosh, I mean years. years. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 years. been a routine for a while now. We've got um, we do the white tea every night. Squeeze that little bit of lemon in. Got to put the. We used to just try to microwave the cups, like we just put the water in and microwave the cup, and it became a much better tradition when we would actually get a tea kettle mm-hmm. and put it on the stove, boil the water, and uh, I don't know. It just it became a real evening ritual. We just kind of wind down for about thirty minutes and, and relax and cool off. And yeah, uh, it's it. Uh, it's, Sometimes we go outside. Yeah, tonight it's cold, so we're in. <laughs> but and our kids are out of town, so we thought, hey, what better to do when your kids are out of town than Record a podcast. Exactly. So here we are. That's, that's the spirit. That's the spirit. We and we even get our fun, uh, our fun specialty teacups over mm. here. So we've got. Uh, so Christy's got her uh, Yoda best wife, uh, baby Yoda mug. Um, I but, have to uh, agree with that sentiment. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. And I've got my uh, my Stan Makita's Donuts uh, mug from uh, from Wayne's <laughs> World that I'm I'm very proud of. Greatest movie ever made, all time. Not even not even debatable. Um, <laughs> dumb. But anyway, we uh, let's see. We've been, I guess it has been about five years. But this has been a really nice, nice tradition. Yeah. So we're this is uh, coming up on our twentieth anniversary this May. Yes, twenty years. And so uh, I think this, I think this tradition has been working well for us. At this yeah. Point. So, all right. So many of you, let me set the tea down for a minute. So many of you uh, met Christy at the uh, at the Carolina Code Conference this year. Uh, she was uh, kind of making sure that everything was running according to plan. And uh, it's because she is a very organized and disciplined and successful person. And uh, as part of that, she's also a, a very successful business owner. She's had a business here, uh, here in Greenville for about 17 years and uh, thought it might be fun to talk about that because she started this business from, from absolutely nothing. Yeah. And there are so many people in the tech community and the startup community that are very familiar with, you know, with new businesses being formed and grow and trying or failing. Um, and kind of what that journey looks like. And it's a popular point of discussion. So I thought it might be fun to, to kind of highlight your journey uh, while we do a better job of introducing you to the community. Plus, ever since that event, you made quite an impression. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, pe- people people ask me about you all the time. Uh, anytime I show up in a, uh, at events now, if I go to like a meetup group or anything, people ask me uh, if you're going to be there. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, and so yeah, you, you definitely made an impression. And so um, she'll definitely be at the next Carolina yes. Conference. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So so tell us about your business. Okay. Yeah. So I own Therapy 360. We are a private practice, primarily pediatric. We offer PT, OT, and speech therapy. 
Okay. And so OT and PT are is, is occupational and physical therapy? Yes. Occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy. We also have some specialty programs within those disciplines. So we do aquatic therapy, which is always fun. We do um, our PTs are certified in pediatric pelvic floor therapy, which is one of the only we're one of the only places in the state really that does the pediatric level pelvic floor. And we do specialized feeding therapy and yeah, all the things. Yeah. And feeding therapy is a bit of a passion of yours. Yes, right? that is absolutely my main passion as far as I, as a speech pathologist myself, my scope is pretty broad. Speech pathologists do a lot. We, a lot of people know that we do articulation. So that would be, you know, teaching their kids their sounds. And um, I was in articulation therapy as a child. I couldn't say my R's. And so it took me, gosh, I was probably nine or 10 before I actually got it down. But um, I was in therapy for a while. And that's what most people think about when they think of speech therapy or speech language pathologists. But our scope is actually significantly broader than that. Um, we do language therapy as well. And so speech being how you pronounce your sounds, language therapy is how you're using your words to communicate. So we get referrals for you know preschool children who maybe aren't saying a lot of words yet. And then we have older kids who may need help with higher level language functions like answering questions or um, formulating sentences or following directions, you know, receptive language and expressive language. Um, we do voice therapy and, and fluency therapy, which is stuttering and um, and feeding, which is my main passion. I love feeding therapy. So we're actually speech paths are actually the ones in skilled nursing and in some hospitals that determine if patients are safe to eat orally. So, you know, if a stroke patient comes in, we're the ones that assess them and say they can have food by mouth or their diet needs to be modified. And um, we do swallow studies so we can really see what's going on with that swallow and just all kinds of things. But um, the feeding that I do primarily in private practice has been mostly kids who are very limited in their diets. So kids who only eat a couple foods or aren't really expanding those diets and the parents are concerned and the physicians are concerned about their nutrition and their growth. And, so. you, even, and you even do feeding with infants too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and so, uh, you know, just like with, with programming or just about any other field, it's mm -hmm. not just, you know, you do this and everybody does exactly the same thing. It's a broad field with lots of different specialties and, and people have more of an emphasis on some areas yeah. than others. And uh, with infant feeding, it's more about, you know, the oral motor patterns and the suck, swallow, breed sequence. And um, are they able to suckle and latch and all of that and get the nutrition that they need? Yeah. So. All right. So, you know, you see, so you've got this, you've got this business now and you're in, you're in Greenville. Correct. And Columbia. And Columbia. Mm -hmm. And so you, you've, uh, you, you've got about what? About how many employees now? About 40. Okay. We're at about 40 between the two offices. Yeah. Right. Greenville's larger. So um, Greenville is larger than Columbia, but altogether about 40 of us. All right. So you got a, you got a uh, good size thriving practice here. Yes. It's taking you about 17 years to get here. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, taking it back a little bit, going back to, to the beginning here, what made you want to become an SLP in the first place? So from the time I was young, 
Uh, my father was a pastor and I would constantly, I mean, even in elementary school, I would correct how he said things like he, he's going to kill me if he hears this, but he, <laughs> he would say like daughter instead of daughter, my daughter. And I'm like, dad, you can't say daughter. It's daughter. And I would just constantly correct the way he pronounced words. And my parents would just joke that I was definitely going to do something related to speech. Um, and my favorite movie of all time is My Fair Lady. I have always loved My Fair Lady. It's and of a course, close second to Wayne's World. Oh, gosh, very. <laughs> um, and of course, Henry Higgins is, I mean, he's not an SLP, but he is, I believe, a professor of phonetics. And so the whole storyline, I just absolutely fell in love with it. And our kids love it. We watch it all the time. Yeah, that, was what, that was in the 50s or 60s, I believe, it won an Oscar. Yeah. Um, but it was a fantastic movie. Mm -hmm. Fantastic movie. And uh, they, they really don't make them like that anymore. Yeah. But it was a, it's like a big theatrical pr production on the on the silver screen. Yeah, but I haven't. I mean, I didn't always know that this was the route that I wanted to take. Yeah. I actually went to Clemson for undergrad and I studied speech and communications, which while it sounds very similar to speech pathology, it actually has nothing to do with speech pathology. Um, I thought I wanted to be a news anchor. And then after taking courses and we actually had a- I can definitely see you as a news anchor. You know, funny story, you don't even know this, but within the past year, I actually went online and looked at news anchor jobs. I was like, you know what? I wonder if they have any little part-time gigs where I could go try this out. <laughs> Because you need more to do. Um, because I need more in my life. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's that's also always been an interest of mine. I just decided yeah. not to pursue it when I was younger and ended up going to graduate school um, after doing an internship at McLeod Hospital in yeah. Florence. And I was working primarily with adults there and in the rehab department with another speech pathologist. And I was able to use some of my broadcast journalism background. I was making some educational videos for some physicians while I was there, but uh, no, loved it. Fell in love with speech pathology, went to grad school at USC, even though I am Ooh. a Clemson girl through and through. Um, yeah. And then I worked in the school district for a couple of years. Um, worked for another private practice and then decided to do my own. All right. So from from school to, you know, news anchor pivoting into and <laughs> in, a speech. Yeah. Um, and then working in the school system. What made you want to start a, a private practice in the first place? Well, um, when I was in the school system, I really realized that I loved pediatrics. I mean, the kids, I just absolutely loved being with the children every day. But the school system itself wasn't really where I felt like I was called to be. Um, while I loved the kids, you know, the sessions are different. They're group sessions. You don't have a ton of time. There's definitely a lack of parental involvement. So um, and it's a great service. And I'm so glad that speech pads are able to provide that in the school system. But for me, I was just looking for a little something more. And so we, I worked for another private practice and I really liked the private practice setting, but I just thought there were so many things I wanted to do and I felt could be done differently to help serve families even better. And I just wanted to try it. So I took a leap of faith. I had zero patients. Open your doors. Opened my doors, waited for the phone to ring. Obviously no staff members, just myself and um, really never even thought about hiring anybody else. When I started so you the just practice, wanted to do this just you. It was just, 
I thought it was just going to be me forever. And that's really all I wanted. I, I'd love to say that I was super ambitious with the size of what the practice was going to be and how many people we were going to be able to reach. But at the beginning, I wasn't. And um, so you're telling me that you did not put together a business plan and a pitch deck and go find a bunch of investors <laughs> and try to convince somebody to invest and say, I want to have 40 employees in two offices. Boom. Oh, and, no. And see who, Unfortunately, who it wasn't that easy. Um, no, it was it was a struggle, especially, you know, a startup, as I'm sure many people who have done this understand it's you give a lot of yourself and it's a lot from a time perspective. It's a lot financially. Um, gosh, I didn't take home any money for the first five years. No, no, you did not. And I can attest to that. everything that came in was just pouring back into the company for growth. And, you know, it, it was hard when I was working so hard in such long hours and I was yeah. writing those checks when I did hire people, I was writing those checks to everyone else and I wasn't getting anything myself. And that's, that's hard to struggle through, but yeah. I had to just kind of keep my eye on the end game. And there's even times when some of my paychecks actually had to go to make sure pay the payroll. Went yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it was, it was tough, but it was worth it in the end. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so we got to where we are now and we're able to help so many people. And so backing up from that, you know, you're, you're able to help a lot of people now and you've grown a lot, but before we get to, to where you are now, let's mm -hmm. start, talk about where you started. Okay. And so where was that first office where you opened your doors where it was just you? Okay. So there was a gym on highway 123 in Easley. It was called the King's gym. And the owner of the King's gym was a lovely, lovely lady named Cheryl Kinsella. She was amazing and she was so sweet and so kind. And I was able to lease a little space kind of on the side of that gym. There was a hallway connector, um, but it was attached to the same building and I had three little rooms and a lobby. And that's where I started. I got in there with my paintbrush and painted all the walls mm -hmm. and, you know, it was just me. So when I was back in therapy, I just locked the door so nobody could walk in while I was treating and painted your big SW speech. Yeah. Yep. It used to be called speech words. Yes. So when I first opened, since it was just me and again, did not anticipate having additional disciplines, additional services. Um, I did, I was called Speechworks and that's still technically the legal name of the company, but yeah. we do business as Therapy 360 and have for many years now. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the King's gym isn't there anymore. And so mm -hmm. try to look it up on a map to find out where this office was. It's mm -hmm. not there, but it was a, like a, a warehouse, uh, park almost that's off of 123, just behind the, uh, the truck farm of mm -hmm. Easley, which I'm sure you've heard the, the Gilstrap family, family dealerships. dealerships. <laughs> so so we're, we're, we were right behind that. Um, and so any, any fun stories from that first office inside well, of a warehouse building? Well, what comes to mind first is the, what was it? It was a, a beaver or a groundhog. That was a groundhog. Ran, was a groundhog. That was a groundhog. Ran into the building. I, I don't even think we were open yet. It was when we were getting set up. Yeah, we had, we had a door propped open. And the, the front door was propped. And this gets to tell you, like, we, we weren't in a metropolis area here. No, like, no. There are definitely woods and wildlife. Um, so I remember I walked into the lobby and there was this creature scurrying across. It was across. a big groundhog, It was too. huge. And I think it looked like it had to be 30 pounds. Oh, it was enormous. That's why I wasn't sure what it was. I was like, what is that? <laughs> I think I called it a beaver. Yeah. Um, and so... You got it out. Yeah, it was my job to get that out. Yeah. We used a uh, used a mattress to uh, to get that out. We had to like put it in front of the door and sort of wedge it back until it it ran back outside. Okay. Um, you have to and, explain why we had a mattress. Yeah. So why, why we had a mattress at the office? Um, 
So you used to offer a program mm -hmm. called Sensory Learning. Yes. It was out of uh, Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And Sensory Learning, if you're watching on the video, I'm, I'm, I'm giving a very accurate demonstration of this. Uh, it was a, a three-pronged thing. And so I actually got trained in this yeah, as well. Did. So I can talk about this a little bit. But uh, it was basically a program that was designed to stimulate your, your brain stem um, by stimulating your eyes, ears, and the vestibular system, the, uh, the motion system uh, of the body all at the same time. And so what it would, and so kids with, uh, with, with autism and, and high sensory issues, and you can elaborate on this more if I'm saying anything wrong, um, would, they would go through this program for, uh, for 30 minutes twice a day, and they would lay on this bed that had a mattress on this, on this table that would move in a certain motion that went with the, 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 um, the fluid through your semicircular circular canals, yeah. Yes, the fluid in your semicircular canals, the, for the vestibular system, the ear, the ear canal the, handles the motion. Um, it would basically move with that in a, in a particular direction. Then you could turn the bed, and so it would move in, in a side-to-side -side motion instead. Mm -hmm. And they would be listening to uh, these headphones in a dark room with, uh, with this light box that was using, using special... Uh, light stimulation and auditory stimulation that uh, was using like a binaural thing with different frequencies and whatnot. And the combination of these three things at once would stimulate your brainstem and kind of help get everything synced back up a little bit. And it was very specialized. So I would do pretests and I would see, you know, what their initial sensitivities were. So for the auditory program setup, a lot of times people who have auditory sensitivities, the certain frequencies are where their sensitivities occur. So we were actually able to kind of filter those out and then work them back in to kind of desensitize some of those um, sensitivities of the auditory system. Yeah. And yeah, it was great, but it, it was- The school program was a lot of work. Though. Yeah, we oh, no wow. longer offer that. We really, it became, you know, after we had kids, just the schedule was pretty grueling because I had to do it in office 12 days straight, mm -hmm. which included Saturday and Sunday. And then the- Twice a day. Twice a day. And the people who, participated, they ended up having to do it at home for the five, the next 18 days after the 12 days in office. And so it just got to the point where we couldn't really maintain that schedule anymore, but it was a wonderful program. Yeah. When you, when you think in terms of, of a scheduling system and you've got, you know, patients coming in for speech therapy that are mm -hmm. scheduled at the same time uh, every week, and then all of a sudden you introduce this, uh, this, this specialized program for two weeks, it, it really makes it difficult to juggle those existing patients yeah. along with it as yeah. well. Um, but, uh, but that was, but that, that table, that bed, uh, had a mattress on <laughs> And it. that's where we got the groundhog out yeah, and, of and, the building. And that helped us to, that's how we segued into this conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, well, yeah, we diverted the groundhog out of the building with that. And, uh, and we had an amazing therapy dog. We did. So we have utilized therapy dogs since the very beginning. Smokey was our first therapy dog. And we, I went looking for a senior dog. I had gone to the shelters and we got him from the Greenville animal care, mm -hmm. I believe. So we went there and I said, I'm looking for a senior dog. That's really good with kids, very calm. And they said, well, we don't have any, sorry, but I'll put your name on a list. Well, the next morning, I remember it was a Sunday morning because I wasn't expecting a phone call from them. And they said, look, somebody just owner surrendered a dog. And it's an older, we think it's a, it's a lab, a brown lab. Yeah. And I think he might've I been think, like a Chesapeake yeah. Bay Retriever or yeah. something like but, that. Um, he had like the really long brown hair. 
they estimated that he was about nine years old mm -hmm. when we got him. We think he was the vet thinks he was a little bit older. Um, and when we got a poor thing, he was so skinny. And I remember he had worms and oh, he was oh, pitiful. Yeah. Your we showed him to my brother and he's like, why'd y'all buy a dog that's about to die? Yeah. And I was like, no, he's perfect. He's wonderful. We so took good care of him. We nursed him back to health. I'm all healthy before we brought him to the office. And he and trained. And trained, yeah. And then we brought him to the office. He was amazing. Even with that sensory learning program, you know, like we mentioned, it was in a completely dark well, room. Well, so, so but before you get to that, why do you bring in therapy dogs in an office environment like this in the first place? Well, there are multiple reasons, but obviously when you're working with pediatrics, sometimes the kids will come into an office and they'll already be a little bit apprehensive, a little bit scared. And so just having the dog there can be really calming for them. And also we really used Smokey and our, and our future therapy dogs to teach a lot of skills like, you know, communicative intent. Like even if the child couldn't speak, we train our therapy dogs to respond to just visual cues. So we can teach a child just to, you know, kind of raise their hand up in the air and the dog will sit. So even if that child is not verbal, we can teach them to communicate and get a response. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just been beautiful. And if the child maybe doesn't want to participate, but then the dog will do something like the dog will go run, get the ball and bring it back during PT. Well, then all of a sudden the child then wants to run and get the ball and bring it back. So it's great for motivation and calming and just participation and it's teaching really skills. an incredible influence. Yeah. But Smokey in particular, uh, I'm, I'm personally convinced that that dog was an angel. He was amazing. Uh, he, he was absolutely amazing. And there's, there's one particular story that I remember you telling me yeah. about him helping out in sensory learning. Mm -hmm. So we had, I'm thinking of one child in particular who was very scared of the dark, dark room. I mean, understandably, it was mm -hmm. very dark in there and they were lying on the table and he started, the child started to cry. And so I called Smokey in. Smokey jumped up on the table and just laid his paw across this child's chest while the table was rotating for a full 30 minutes. And the child immediately calmed. Smokey laid there the duration of the 30 minute session with his paw on this child's chest and calmed him throughout the entire session. And he did it for every subsequent session of the program. And, oh, he, was, he wasn't he wasn't trained to do that no. or anything either. He just knew to do it. Yeah, it was it was incredible. That, that dog was amazing. Um, and uh, for a while you had him on little mailers. Yeah, his picture. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, gosh, I almost that dog. That's a good dog. Cheers to Smokey. Cheers to Smokey. Mm. So, all right. So we've got we've gone through a little bit of the first office, mm -hmm. um, and you know you went to we've gone through your background of, of going to um, school for for news anchor, going to McLeod, and kind of seeing how much you like the program mm -hmm. there. Uh, and, you know, you had a, a, a stint in the school system and, mm -hmm. and then a private practice before you decided to go and start your own. Yeah. But at what point, you know, at, at this point, it's still just you. Right. Um, well, you and, and occasionally me. I got to I got to help out a little <laughs> bit. Like I was I was the repair person. Yeah. The like you fixed equipment. you fixed the equipment. Yeah. And, and so, the, I mean, there was a lot of moving parts of the stuff. Toilets. And, <laughs> yeah. There, there we go. I, I learned all sorts of just general repair things. Yeah. Around the office. Yeah. I actually got really good at taking apart and putting yes. that, that you were a champ. We back had, together. Yeah. Oh, I thought it, you were going to say take oh, apart toilets and put them back together. Also that. <laughs> you just did that the other weekend too. I, you're still I, doing I that. Yeah, you never know what you're going to have to do when you own a business. Uh -huh. it, it doesn't really stop. Like right. every random issue that comes up, you have to go deal with. 
And so if it's if it's late nights or like fixing computers in the middle of the night so that everything works for you mm -hmm. the next day or uh, or going in and literally ripping out a toilet and putting in putting in a new one because yeah. there's there's some weird issue. You never know what you're going to have to do. You always get those phone calls. Yeah. But um, but let's see. So so we so we went from from you're at the first office. At what point did you start to, to grow and decide to hire other people? So it wasn't really something I just thought of one day. Actually, I had a speech pathologist contact me and she said, hey, I saw that you are a relatively new practice. I'm just looking for some part time work. Would I be able to come help you out? And so I thought, well, you know, I kind of do need some help. So sure, we can do that. And she was great. She was with us for gosh, over 10 years, well over 10 years. And so that was the first person I hired. And I hired a couple other speech paths as we moved to our new location. Our second location was in Piedmont, which, Where is Piedmont? yeah, you know, uh, I realized a lot of people <laughs> don't know the answer to that question. So if you're from Easley or the surrounding areas, you know that Piedmont is that Powdersville area between Easily and Greenville. So it's right there. Anderson off of, or Greenville, really? Well, yeah. Um, right there off of 85, right. 85, So my office was there, but it had a Piedmont address. And so that really was limiting our referrals that were coming in. I didn't know at the time that that was a huge factor, but um, at that second office, yeah, we, I added OT when we were at the second office. And so we had speech and OT in that location. And we were still SpeechWorks at that time, mm -hmm. but we did add OT and grew to, you know, about five or six employees there. Yeah. And that's when we had our first child. We had Reese. Yeah. And so what, what was that like? You know, having a, having a child while running a business yeah. that wasn't really making money for you. Yes. It was paying other people, but it wasn't paying you. Yeah, that was, um, it wasn't easy. And, you know, as a business owner, especially of a newer, smaller business, you don't have some of the things like maternity leave. So I had a C-section and actually went back to work. I probably shouldn't even say this, but I went back to work three weeks after Reese was born. I was not even supposed to be driving. I think you're supposed to wait until six weeks to drive. I was back at work. You're a tough one. But the benefit of having my own business was that I was able to bring my sweet baby boy with me to work. So I had hired an office person um, from a temp agency, a receptionist, and she was sweet and she watched. She was a grandmother herself and she watched Reese for me while I was in therapy. And that's what we did for the first year of Reese's life. He just came along with me everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, that, I remember that, that schedule yeah. quite a bit. And it's still, it's incredible that you were able to do that. Um, so let's see, I'm, I'm trying to remember everything that went on then. It's, it's such a blur with, with all of that. And yeah. so at some point we had another child. Right. Um, two, two years after the first. Uh, approximately We two had years our after. daughter and um, I took eight weeks with her. Yes. By that point, I could take eight weeks leave. Mm -hmm. um, and we actually hired a sitter to come take care of the a kids and a nanny to take care of the kids at the house. And we just found her randomly through an agency online. Smart sitters. Smart. Yes. Yeah, smart sitters. Yeah. Um, and she came and she, I fell in love with her immediately and she was so amazing with the kids. She watched them for, Oh gosh, at least, at least a year before yeah. we sent them to daycare, maybe two years. I think it was, I think it was closer to two. Um, 
And then I loved her so much and she was so fabulous that I said, you know, I need you at the office. The kids are old enough now. They were about two and four, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to send them to daycare and I'm going to bring you to the office. And she started out as an assistant and then she moved up to office manager. Um, she's still with the company. She works in a remote. She's moved a little bit further away. She works in a remote position as our billing manager now and um, still does so much for the company. And she's been with us for 13 years yeah and i love her to death shout out to chelsea absolutely shout out to chelsea and uh and so chelsea uh just to to give you all an example um you know from from working uh, from working with us as a as a nanny to, uh, to going to your office you might wonder what the, the pathway to that looks like and i tell this to everybody um as, as a business owner you learn over time especially when you're hiring people that there are certain character traits that are more important than almost anything else. You, if you're, if you're in a job that has very technical requirements, you, you do have to know those technical requirements. Um, but, but trustworthiness, reliability, um, th that, uh, that, ability to know that when you are talking to somebody about something, you know, you're getting a straight answer from them that you can count on them, uh, Chelsea very much earned that. Yeah. And, the trust, the dependability. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it goes, and it goes for anybody, you know, just if, if you're an, if you're an employee or a business owner, I mean, you're going to, you're going to relate to this when people see that you're, that you're on time and, and you're trustworthy and you're reliable, it goes a mile. It goes a lot farther than I don't, I don't even know a good way to describe it, but it, uh, it, it carries, it's one of the most it carries important to any factors. Position. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. It, it very much. And I've been so fortunate through the years to just bring on a truly amazing staff, the therapists, the administrators. Oh gosh. I just cannot speak highly enough about them all. And that's what makes the business so great. I mean, I really wish I could sit here and take credit and say that I built this amazing business that's helping so many people, but truly it's the employees that are in place there that handle, you know, a lot of the day to day and that are treating the patients because now I have moved more into an administrative role with the company where I'm doing more of the back end work to make sure everything runs smoothly. And that was hard for me. Yeah. I think that was a difficult transition. It, gosh, I didn't transition to fully admin until you fought the transition. I fought it for 12 years. Yep. 13 years. I mean, it's, yeah, you, you, you tried to not do it and you started getting pulled out of therapy because there was something that needed to be answered. Right. You'd have to deal with people them. were just, you know, having to interrupt therapy sessions for me to deal with emergency situations and things. And so that, and it selfishly, I wanted to stay in therapy. Mm -hmm. And then I realized the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is to help as many families as possible. And the way to accomplish that goal is to delegate the therapy duties mm -hmm. to other therapists. And I am the one that needs to bring those therapists in, make sure they're trained, that they're qualified so that we can serve a higher number of people. So that is what we do today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as a therapist, even as a great therapist, you're, you were still one therapist of many at that office at the point that you yeah. have hired a bunch of people. And you know, it's, it's very much a lot of the same thing that, you know, that, uh, that I kind of do with, with some of the consulting work that I do mm -hmm. is, you know, I was in an organization that had a lot of programmers and I realized that if I could help those programmers to be 5% more efficient or more effective, it would be more valuable than me working as hard as I possibly could as a programmer. Yeah. And so I started focusing on trying to, to create that better environment. And you created a wonderful environment where you are. 
I, I'm, I was very impressed with the compliment that you recently got at your, uh, your Christmas party, which I don't know if anybody realized it was a Christmas. It was a, a, a compliment or, or intended to be a compliment or not, but we, uh, you just had your Christmas party yes. back in December mm-hmm. and the, and one of the staff members at the party, um, thought that it was a family event. Yeah. They didn't realize yeah. we were a business because they said we were all so close and loved each other so much. So we just, it's a great team. It is. It is. You've, you've got a really, really wonderful, fantastic mm-hmm. team up here. Um, and so, uh, so let's see. So we, you've, you've gone from that, you've gone from growth, um, offices moving from, and so what about the move from, from, Piedmont to Greenville. Okay. Yeah. So we started in Easley. We moved from Easley to Piedmont. We moved from Piedmont to Greenville near Greenville Memorial Hospital on Grove Road. And that was truly the best decision that we made that affected our physician referrals, which of course, that's how we establish a larger caseload is we, of course, we have word of mouth. A lot of people call us from word of mouth, but the physician referrals are huge. So as soon as we had a Greenville address, all of a sudden people knew where we were. Mm -hmm. And those referrals, I mean, at least quadrupled immediately. And that's when we had to hire even more staff. And I remember when I got that building, I thought, I am never going to fill this space. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. never going to fill this space. And we expanded twice while we were there. Yeah, it was like a strip mall type section. So you got to keep you know taking on next units and expanding into it. Yeah. So we expanded multiple times to get more space while we were there. And uh, then eventually we ended up moving from that location kind of just right across the street when we decided to purchase a building. And I had never thought about purchasing a commercial building before. Um, But my building had had new owners and they were looking to renovate and increase our lease prices significantly. So I looked at the numbers and said, "Mm, you know what? It really makes more sense to purchase at this point. So in at the end of 2019, we bought our current building Mm -hmm. and did some renovations and moved in a solid two weeks before COVID hit. Yeah, that was that was really (laughs) that was that was very stressful. Yeah. And and the the office was brand new and it was so nice because you did some very creative renovations Mm -hmm. and and decorating to it. Owning the building was nice, though, because you got to install the air cleaning units and stuff with COVID and everything. Yeah, we had, you know, the hospital grade. We still do the hospital grade kind of UV light filters. We have it in our home as well. Yep, we do. Um, On your HVAC unit, you can get those. UV lights that filter the air. Air oasis, yeah. Yeah. Um, So it filters the air as it goes through. And so that was very helpful, you know, as we returned from COVID. We did telehealth for a little bit, but then we returned. Office staff very much appreciated that too. Yeah. Um, And, you know, one of the nice things about the building too was that even during COVID, when it was was locked down and everything, you know, you still had staff that wanted to come in and work in their rooms in the the building. Yeah. Just to do their telehealth stuff rather than doing it from home just because they still wanted to be around other people. And it was great that we were able to, you know, able to offer that way right. you could. And the building is so nice. I mean, design and organization and functionality and all that is something I absolutely love. So when we owned the building, I was able to get in there and really set it up exactly how I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, when we purchased that building. I thought, this is it. This is my forever building. It's perfect. And last year, was it? We started leasing a second yep. building next door. <laughs> Because we had run out of space again. And so we have a second building that is in the same general complex where we are. And a little medical complex. Mm-hmm. 
near the hospital still. And so, um, and we're, we just recently expanded to that entire second building. We were only leasing a portion of it. And so we're doing some renovations over there. So it's just been really continued steady growth. Well, and so you've got the, the Greenville office, the Columbia office. Have there been any other offices? Yeah, throughout the years. Um, so we had a Seneca office, Seneca, that was a great little office. I, I loved that. It was beside a pediatrician. It was really a blank slate. I was able to go in there and I just took a sheet of paper and drew exactly how I wanted the layout to be. And um, they came in and built it out for me and we painted it and made it cute. And um, that office was open for three years because I only had well, I had three therapists there mm -hmm. and all three of those therapists ended up relocating to Greenville within a few months of each other. So we just absorbed that practice into Greenville. Um, and then the, a similar thing happened. So we started in easily with the small office and then years down the road, we opened a, an easily location when we had Greenville Columbia. And then we had easily as our third, um, and I loved that easily office. I, you know, selfishly, that's still when I was trying to get as much therapy in as possible. So I would devote two full days a week just doing therapy at the Easley office. And I absolutely loved it. Um, it was kind of away from the hustle and bustle of the really busy Greenville office and loved it. But then again, staffing became an issue. Yep. We had some people move out of state and we already had a very small staff there. And the other people lived in Greenville and we just kind of absorbed those last few therapists to the Greenville office. And Easily was not the bustling metropolis yeah. that it is today. Yeah. And people just, when it came to staffing and hiring, everyone wanted to work at the Greenville office and people were like, where's Easily? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to work in Easily. So again, it became a little bit of an issue with staffing. And so. And we, now Easily is at capacity. People, you know, yeah. people can't stop living here. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> if, we, people found if we did it, it now, it'd be a lot more easier to staff people. But, yep. um, so now we're down to Columbia and Greenville. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we, we talk about Seneca and Easley after mm -hmm. starting Easley and moving to Piedmont, Powdersville and Greenville. And you're, you're kind of in that whole upstate orbit. Mm -hmm. How did Columbia happen? So Columbia, that actually happened very early on. So like we mentioned the sensory learning program earlier, um, another key demographic that the sensory learning program targeted was veteran community. Mm -hmm. um, and Columbia had a large VA hospital yeah, and a large VA there. presence. So we actually wanted to lock in the area rights for sensory learning in Columbia. So I opened in that first Easley office in April of 2007. And then we opened Columbia in December of 2007. So yeah, same, same year, just a few Eight months, months apart. Later, yep. mm -hmm. And so, and Columbia is still going strong. It is. Um, yeah. But sensory learning has been discontinued. Correct. Or, but yeah. it, the the well, program still exists. You, still we're not offering there. it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, a lot of interesting challenges over the years in terms of how you ran the office. So when you first started out, uh, you know, were you, were you always open uh, as much as you are now? Like what, what were the hours like? What were your goals around how to, how to, handle that. Structure. Yeah. So, you know, I had heard a lot about people and we are primarily a female dominated field and a lot of us are in childbearing years and, you know, we want to spend time with our families too. And so initially I opened a four day work week, 
We worked a little bit longer days. So the office was open and still is open eight to six, Monday through Thursday. Mm -hmm. And we just don't see patients that like the therapist can leave at 530, but the office technically closes at six. So I started just the four day work week and I would actually spend Fridays doing a lot of things since I was in therapy at that time all during the week. Friday was my work day. I would load the kids up in the car because um, I wouldn't take them to daycare on Fridays because it was my day with them. And so um, I believe, gosh, they were maybe two and four when I was doing this, load them in the car, drive them to the office and I would clean the entire office. It would take four or five hours on Fridays to mm -hmm. get that office clean. And I would set them up in the gym. You know, we had the trampoline and the swing and the crash pad and all the fun things in the gym. And so they would just play while I cleaned the entire office and they thought it was great. So, you know, we did the best with what we had to do. And um, yeah, so that that's how it worked at first. The, and then now we're open half day on Fridays until noon. And, and so why did that happen? Why did you go from four day well, work week to half day Fridays? What I found was that people didn't want the four day work week, week like I had heard that a lot of people had wanted to you know, transition to that model. They really wanted to work Fridays also. And it got to the point where when I wasn't seeing patients on Friday, when we weren't open for patient care, people were getting jobs elsewhere on Fridays. They were going and working at skilled nursing facilities or just doing, you know, PRN at various other places. What is PRN? Um, just like when it, they would call them in whenever they were needed. So okay. they would just make themselves available at these other facilities on Fridays. So they just wanted more hours. Yeah. They just wanted to work more. So and I, I can understand that coming out of school. I mean, sure. I definitely have my workaholic phase. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, don't we all? Um, and so, I now am open four and a half days a week mm -hmm. and that schedule seems to work out well because everyone who does work that full 40 hours still gets off at noon on Fridays. And I have a lot of therapists who work varying hours throughout the week. I mean, they keep, we ask that they keep a consistent schedule. Like, okay, if you're going to work Tuesday and Thursday every week, it just needs to be consistent because we do book those patient appointments um, recurring weekly. So we like them to come at the same time, but we like to be flexible because like I said, people, you know, life circumstances change and people have babies. Gosh, in 2022, we had 10 people have babies, 10 employees. 25% of your staff. Yes. And while that's wonderful and I'm so happy for every individual that is now a mother. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot from a staffing perspective because we have all these patients who need to be served yeah. and 10 therapists going on leave within the same year, somehow we managed. And, um, but I say that to say a lot of them end up coming back instead of having to go find another different part-time job, maybe they were working full-time and they decide they want to come back part-time. We're very flexible with that. Yeah. And I want to give them what they need. And, you know, they still want to be employed. That's wonderful. And I will let them set their schedules, but we just ask again for that consistency. So, um, so how did you balance all this? You know, we, we had, we had two kids, you're running a business. You had a very demanding husband um, <laughs> and uh, you're, 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 you know, cooking these healthy meals for us as a family every night uh, as yeah, well on top of everything true. else. And yeah. just while juggling all this stuff. And uh, I mean, how did, how did you manage to keep up? Obviously the kids, the kids are more work when they're, when they're younger. Uh -huh. we had, and but just talk about that so, a little bit. How, how are you superwoman? No, no. I, I think you just have to really prioritize certain things. I, I remember there were some things that were just so important to me that seemed kind of silly looking back, but they were so important because maybe, you know, when the kids were really young, 
I wasn't always able to, I was never room mom. I remember I got a call to be room mom one time and I'm like, no, you got the wrong person. Um, <laughs> and I, I went on some field trips. I would at least go on like one a year, but I couldn't always take off to do those things. I was at all the important things, but I didn't get to do all the things that a lot of parents get to do if they're not working outside of the home. Um, but certain things were really important. Like I always felt like I had to be the one to make their birthday cakes. Yes. Do you remember that? Oh, I would yes. always, I said, I don't care how busy I am. I am making their birthday cakes and they oh. get to tell me whatever they want and I'm going to make it happen. Can, can I tell a story about the No, one? sure, sure. You remember the lightsaber cake? Oh, the lightsaber cake. <laughs> this, is, this is a family show. We cannot say <laughs> what the lightsaber cake actually looked like, but it was, oh, it was <laughs> sad. But, but Reese loved it. And now granted, I did not have a lot of baking experience. <laughs> I didn't really know what I was doing, but I got so much joy out of making sure that they had a homemade cake that was exactly what they had asked for. Mm -hmm. And they probably didn't even care and may not even remember that, but it was important to me. Oh, um, and family dinners, you know, coming home and turning it off, you know, work as a business owner yeah, you, doesn't ever stop. Yeah, you've always been very good at that. And I just feel like it's very important to come home and be present with the family. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like family dinners and I like to... I like to cook. I like to cook healthy meals, even though the kids complain that they don't get real noodles. What is this zucchini? Is this squash? This isn't real noodles with fuss spaghetti. Not no. enough butter. Um, but I give them real noodles. I know. I um, but that's just really important too. I think just carving out the time, even when you're so busy, if you prioritize the time that you are home and make it quality time, mm. that it just helps balance things. And now you bake with the kids enough that, uh, you know, they yeah. were watching Nailed It and talking about Oh, I'm better now. <laughs> My baking skills have improved over yeah. the years. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if you qualify for Nailed It anymore. I would. They could drag me on Nailed It and it'd be, oh, it'd yeah. be absolutely hilarious. If you haven't watched Nailed It, it's a baking show with people who don't know how to bake. It's on Netflix. It's right? on Netflix. It's it's really really funny. It's funny, um, but uh, it, it's it's what it would look like if I tried to do any of these things that you mm -hmm. could do. But uh, but yeah, so so juggling all that, yeah. and and running the business and everything, you know, after after all that, how are things going today? Things are great. You know, after seventeen years, um, and obviously there have been times that have been difficult, but at this point, things run pretty smoothly. I have a wonderful administrative team that helps keep everything in line. We've established, we've learned so much along the way and learned so many lessons about how to improve our organizational structure and just, you know, our day-to-day -day practices and our time management. And we have lots of spreadsheets and lots of checklists that we put into place. And just, I think we have a really good system in place that helps things run smoothly. And I actually have more flexibility from a scheduling perspective at this point, significantly more, obviously, than yeah. when I was first starting the practice, um, even though the responsibility level has grown as the employees have grown, that component of having more time yeah. outside of the office has been beneficial. Yeah, the scheduling flexibility is, is really, really big. We I can mean, take vacations now. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, goodness, no. so, so you had the first five years, you made no profit right. at all. It was everything was going back into paying other people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it was 10 years before, I mean, we were able to take some vacations, but you're always on the phone on the vacations yeah. or you had your laptop or something would come up. That still happens, uh, but not to the extent that it did. Yeah. It, it, we had, we had to leave from one vacation because your office got broken into. Oh yeah. The second office, the Piedmont office got, got broken into twice. 
Yeah, he stole a computer mouse. And oh, and he stole a a postage scale. I'm sure he was not weighing mail on that postage <laughs> scale, but stole. They caught a post- that guy. Though. They caught that guy. Yeah. But yeah, so we we had to leave. We had to leave a vacation because uh, our office got broken into because somebody decided they wanted to steal a a postage scale. Of things. <laughs> and uh, and we had to get the deal with getting the window repaired and everything, so we get back yeah. to work. And and it was uh, that was that was exhausting. But then you know you never knew what was going to come up. And I, and I had stuff like that too on vacation as well. Yeah. I, I remember spending an entire day of a beach vacation and a crystal worker on, on I so I could use that. their Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but goodness gracious, there was, there was just always something going on. We, we would have times when we were, we'd end up at Wells Fargo trying to use their fax machine to take care of something. <laughs> I remember that uh, too. Cause we had to find somewhere. No, it was UPS store. We had to go find a UPS yeah. store so we could send a fax somewhere on vacation one time. It was, uh-huh. it was also I'm constantly crazy. doing job interviews. It seems like everyone applies for jobs when we're on vacation. Yeah. And I'm like, okay guys, be really quiet. Cause I have an interview. We, we had, we had an Alaskan cruise this year and you did one. No, it wasn't an interview. Oh, it wasn't. wait. I know it was payroll. I always have to payrolls every two weeks though. So, you know, that falls into that. A lot of times it falls when we're on vacation, okay, but it, okay. you know what? I may have had a phone call to yeah. at port. Cause I had to wait till we had gotten to a port. Yeah. Was, my dad retired this year and decided to take us on a big family Alaskan cruise. It was fabulous. If you've never been to Alaska, it was, oh, yeah, it was, it was truly good. amazing. That was right before do the it. conference actually. Don't do it. If you have a conference oh, the next week, that's what made it so difficult. Cause we had the speaker's dinner yeah. at the house. So <laughs> we got back. A day before this? Two days. Two days. We got back two days from the other side of the country with jet lag. And yeah, and then we had the speaker center at our house, mm-hmm. which it was great meeting all of the people. It was. Um, and then we had the conference the next day. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that was, we will not do that again. No, no, no. Uh, but back to vacations from from when you were working, it was, it was what, 10 years before you were able to take a vacation where you didn't have to do that, where you could... Got to the point where you had admin staff in place that yeah. everything could be trusted to run while you were away, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that was that was really big. Yeah, I, I remember that being a big deal. We finally got to do a, a vacation like that and unplug, like literally unplug for once. But uh, so, all right, so everything's going well. Um, you know, with uh, with all this going on, yeah, yeah. Wife to a crazy demanding husband, <laughs> mother of two amazing children, um, all things school, kids activities wise, yeah. church, running a business with 40 employees mm-hmm. across two cities where all this stuff comes up that you have to manage all the time. How did you find time to become an event planner? <laughs> That's funny. I laugh at that because during the conference, Last year, I think in your closing remarks, mm-hmm. you mentioned to everyone, or maybe at the beginning. Anyway, you said it was at the end. Okay, was at the end. you said that I was an event planner, and you meant it in reference to me helping out at the conference. And I had multiple people come out to me afterwards and say, "So you're an event planner? Tell mm-hmm. me about that." And I was like, "Oh, not actually, mm-hmm. but yeah, yep." So she really made everything run. So you know. We, we kind of do our own things mm-hmm. and when it comes to, to work wise, you're very busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'll talk about the things that we have going on. And I've been, of course, talking about conference stuff quite a bit leading up to this. Quite she hadn't really had time to get into it. You know, tech conference thing going on. You knew it was happening, but wasn't that big of a and deal. Barry's yet. a talker. So, I, you know, sometimes I zone out a mm-hmm. little bit. It's Guilty. Okay. <laughs> if you've listened to this podcast or 
not, you know, if it helps you to go to sleep at night, whatever. But, but um, I didn't do like, I think you're giving me a little too much credit because I didn't do anything leading up to the conference until the very end. So I kind of came in at the final hour. Very, well, then you leapt in and really took care of a lot of things that I was at the end. With. I did. Um, but up until that point, you had handled everything. We all have, we have our strengths. You know, this yeah. is Valentine's Day. Let's talk about how our relationship works a little bit. So you have your strengths. A lot of your strengths are, you know, you're a huge people person. You love talking to people. You meet with people. You network. You were able to get wonderful sponsors, get the word out there, go to all these different groups. And you just did a phenomenal job planning everything, getting the speakers and everything together. And so I kind of came in closer to the time of the conference and said, okay, tell, tell me a little bit more about this conference that you've been talking about. Because so, you know, on the other end, my strengths are more detail oriented. So, and I'm, I'm a Organ huge organization planning. Yeah. yeah. And, and unlike you, I'm an introvert at heart. So, you know, I'm not the one who's constantly going out and talking to everybody about everything. Mm -hmm. But on the back end, I jumped in and I said, oh, well, if you're going to do that, you need this and you need this, and you need that. And this for this to run smoothly, we need to do this. And so that's where I came in with just some of the details there at the end. So. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't entirely just at the end, too, because back in, in May earlier that year, um, you know, as we were. So I, I took over from Joel. I took up the conference over from Joel in March. And we're doing a lot of early planning. And one of the biggest things that happened when I was getting the conference going in the first place is I was asking for a lot of advice from other people who are really experienced. And uh, one random phone call that I made, I started looking. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Elixir programming language. And I saw that there was an Elixir conference in Chattanooga called ElixirConf. And uh, and so I just looked up the organizers and I said, this, this is about a... 100, 150 person conference. I wonder if they have any advice. It looks like they've been doing this for years. So I sent an email and Maggie Tate responds back um, and uh, and just is immediately happy to have a phone call, offered all sorts of wonderful advice and then invited us to come up and see how the conference ran. And you and, and so we both went up. Yeah. And I, I essentially got to kind of attend the conference and they let me uh, make a um, make an announcement about our event at their event, which was which was really kind of them. And uh, and you know, Bruce Tate, uh, who was a speaker at our conference, ran it and we got to go up and you volunteered. We helped out some behind yeah. the scenes. You helped out primarily the entire time behind the scenes, kind of learning how everything was. And Maggie running. was wonderful. She answered all of my questions and showed me a lot about what it takes to run things mm -hmm. so that the conference can yeah. No, another husband and wife team. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I can tell you from experience that if you ever need to get a hold of Bruce, contact Maggie. <laughs> um, and so uh, that uh, it's it's very much a, a clear picture of how all that works. And, Maggie, and they came and helped us. Yeah, and yeah. they did. And so they came and, and Bruce was our afternoon keynote. Uh, a very accomplished fellow. Um, actually, I think he got his book over here somewhere. Yep, right here. Bruce wrote seven languages in seven weeks, among numerous other publications. And they actually just have a, have a book that just came out called Currently Away about their big seafaring adventure, um, where they did a big loop from Tennessee all the way down the Mississippi River out to the Gulf, back up the coast of the Atlantic, uh, back into the Great Lakes, and then back down the Mississippi River back to Tennessee. They did all of that journey on a boat and they documented and took lots of pictures. Maggie's a bit of an artistic photographer. Yeah. I think she just had an art show in Chattanooga too. Mm -hmm. um, but they came down they volunteered at the conference. Maggie helped, uh, was helping you out a lot uh, during the day. And uh, very much another, another husband and wife dynamic mm -hmm. duo that we were, we were happy to get uh, a lot of advice from.
And so you were involved at that point, kind of seeing how things ran. Right. Um, but then up until the conference with all the various planning and execution stuff, uh, we talked about it a little bit kind of on the way back from the cruise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then at that point, you started really getting deeply involved. And going, okay, we got we to take care of this and this and this and this and this. We actually talked about it a little bit more before that because, yeah. you, because you had planned most of the speaker center before we left. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the food and all of that. We took care of that in advance. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was that was. That was a good time. Yeah. And so we're, uh, let's see, we're running just about a time here. Okay. Um, Well, this year the conference is going to be two days. Yeah, two days, August 23rd and 24th. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it'll be uh, at the the brand new Crescent One building that is currently under construction. I need to give you all a new update on that at some point. So we need to go out there and visit. Um, But uh, we're going to be the first big conference event in that that venue. We're going to grow this year also 150 to 300 people. And so that'll be an adventure in and of itself. We, we're not going to be able to handle the speakers at our house this year, though. So we're going to have to figure out something else for that. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll get figure it out. out. Yep. We'll figure it out. We got this. We can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Do we sound confident? Yeah. No. We, we, we've totally got this. But, yeah. uh, and, and you'll definitely be there. Which I'll one? be there. And th- I'm that, so excited to see everybody there. Yeah. I have to make sure that that is known because you increase attendance for the events for me. Right. Um, <laughs> the love is mutual. Yeah. Love you guys. The I know I don't have a lot of time, but the community, the tech community that I was able to meet since last year, I've just been so impressed with everybody. The volunteers, everyone was so helpful. And, you know, when the Keurigs wouldn't work, shout out to Chris oh, and wow. Andrew. Apparently you can't plug more than one Keurig into the yeah, same outlet. Yeah, we managed to short out a building. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, but anyway, they jumped <laughs> right in and helped us out. So everyone, you know, loading, unloading, oh, you were, volunteers you, were amazing. Yeah, the, the volunteers, we had so many people there that made that conference run. In addition to you, and you were coordinating a lot, a lot of stuff. But the conference this past year, of course, only happened because everybody wanted it to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the volunteers that came out, it could not have functioned uh, without. I mean, we had uh, over a dozen volunteers to help with load in, load out, uh, helping to transition things. You were kind of directing traffic a lot throughout mm-hmm. the day. This year, I think we're going to have a little bit more of a, more of a schedule with the volunteers yeah. that we'll talk about some more later. But I think we're going to do four half-day shifts so that people can who want to volunteer can help out for a half day and then they can go enjoy the rest of the conference. Oh, that'd be great. Um, well, we're looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to it. And thank you so much for accepting me into your community as some somewhat of an outsider who doesn't know a lot about yeah. the tech business, but I'm excited to help out where I can and uh, to meet all of you. It's it's a very welcoming community. The Greenville mm-hmm. Tech community is a, uh, it's a very special group uh, mm-hmm. from what I've seen. It's different. I mean, I'm sure there are other places that uh, that have something like we, what we have here, but it's it's such a supportive area. Whereas a, a lot of other you know tech hubs that I've heard of are have a little bit more isolation and, and competition, where yeah. they're not as actively supporting everybody else and, and trying to learn from everybody else the same way. Um, but uh, but this this area really deserves to have this this conference work and, and grow and, and hopefully bring more people in and. and see what a special thing we've got here and maybe emulate it other places. Maybe we can, maybe we can set a standard, you know, take a, take a Dabo Sweeney approach and say, we're, this is the model for how every college football program should work. So yeah. maybe, maybe this is going to become the model for every conference. Should work. But we'll see. We're going to do the best we can. We're, we're, sure. we're going to aim high. We're going we're to do that. But anyway, happy Valentine's day. Happy Valentine's day. This has been a, this has been a fun uh, Valentine's <laughs> podcast evening of course it's not yes. actually valentine's when we're recording this we're just publishing it on valentine's day but uh you know we'll, we'll figure out something else for that so cheers cheers happy podcast this has been the valentine's edition of the carolina codecast